Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times of ours. And in today's episode, Benji and I are grappling with the idea of first cleaning out your junk, making the purposeful, intentional time and effort to get rid of a bunch of junk that you have inside in order to then grow exponentially. You see, a lot of us want to skip ahead to getting as much growth under our belt as possible, changing our habits, changing our mindset and all this stuff without addressing the real reasons why we're being held back in the first place. So in order to grow without bound, without limits, you first need to be able to see which chains are holding you back, which mental, emotional, spiritual baggage that you have and deal with that process that so that you can then turn around and grow so much that it's almost unbelievable this sounds interesting to you join us if it doesn't sound interesting to you give us a chance join us let's get into it welcome back everybody we're here we're happy how you doing benji good we're doing good excellent We are back from a staff retreat. We did something unprecedented, I think, in human history. I'm sure it's happened before, but not to my knowledge. Where we had a staff retreat, all staff flew in with our wives and our children, or in Karina's case, her husband. (laughs) But we all brought our whole families and a staff of five or six turned into a retreat of 21 or 22 which was unprecedented and amazing, right? We had marshmallows and firecrackers and it was incidentally the 4th of July, which helped. I don't think we would have had firecrackers otherwise. Yeah, it was really something else for sure. So in our staff retreats, we typically want to have one a year because we're usually in different states or different countries. It's really hard when Sammy's in Korea because every moment that he's awake, we're asleep and vice versa. So we need to meet once a year to connect in heart and to clear out some stuff because you start to build up concepts about people if you don't see them face to face. You just see their bust, which is like their shoulders and head for you know a year. And then you're like, oh my God, you have legs. You have feet and legs. This is amazing. But why we're talking about this is because we did something that we typically do. I mean, we're in the business of people right? That's, mm-hmm. that's what we do. And so we as people have to be healthy if we want to help other people become healthy. So we had a four-day staff retreat. And I'd love for you, Benji, to outline how much of that time was spent talking about emotions <laughs> and how much of it was talking about practical, like, let's take over the right. world kind of stuff. Yeah, I think typically you'd expect when you finally get a bunch of staff together, you just want to get going. But we literally spent more than half of our time together talking about emotional things. And, and clearing the air and just getting to know each other and being vulnerable. And maybe it's like, we're kind of using the analogy, like our organization, High Noon is like a body. And together, we're all functioning together as moving parts, moving limbs. And basically half of the retreat felt like getting massage, like a deep tissue, like getting the knots out. And then when you can kind of get those painful knots out, then you can just move way quicker. Like we just started sprinting as soon as I felt like things were cleared up, right? Yeah, it was, I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that analogy, being a body. I thought we were going to go to the doctor or something, but massage makes a lot more sense. So we spent like two and a half days talking about emotional stuff between us, which you would think, how is that even possible? (laughs) And like, is that even work? And I found, you know, we had a facilitator. We had an amazing facilitator there, David Young. And he noticed that especially the men in the room were very eager to be like, so what now? When can we work on our plan? When are we going to take over the world? And he kept on drawing us back to, well, no, let's resolve these things between you guys. 
So it was exhausting. I don't know. How did you feel after like a day of watching people cry and talking about heart stuff? Yeah, it's pretty intense. It's not usually a situation we find ourselves most comfortable in as people because it's not something you do every day. You don't go down the street or go to the mall or to the school or wherever and are asked like, how are you doing? What's challenging in your life? I don't know how they, it's like the, the phrasing of this is like, what are you incomplete about? Like, what is incomplete about you in relation to your work in high noon and the world and God and what is love? So we basically talked about those kinds of things, right? Like what is love? What is unconditional love? Which on the surface seems pretty obvious, but actually people have very different interpretations of what unconditional love is and how we express it. So that was just really like for me, I mean, apart from the actual like having our families together, that was the biggest impact for my experience personally, like having my kids, having my wife and all the spouses and children there just made it so much more real and so much more like we're applying basically what we're trying to do with Hainu is we're trying, like you said, we're, we're trying to provide healing and health for our people. And how can we even touch that or even go there unless we feel like we're living ourselves? So for me, that was like, like I said, just a deep massage. And ever since that, I was like a week ago, right? We got back mm -hmm. and I just feel like a lot more loose and kind of in Zen right now. He's on a rocking chair, by the way. I can attest to his <laughs> looseness. He's borderline conscious at this point. He's so loose. And, well, you know, the reason why we're bringing this up, why did we decided to make this worthy of your time and attention is because that's the process that is very much needed for any deep work is first you have to clear out anything that's blocking you emotionally in order for you to have access to the good stuff, to the good ideas, to the state of flow and recovery and healing and the possibility of a better future. So like you cannot be tied to the chains of the past and all this nonsense that you've associated yourself with and accumulated. You need to cut those chains in order to be free to do what you got to do. So in recovery, it's the same thing. It's like a lot of people just want to skip to the habits. Okay, which habits can I adopt to get rid of porn? And I mean, you might be able to for a while, even, you know, there's some people who maybe permanently were able to do that. Very, very rare, by the way. But you're missing the point because even if you're able to habitually eliminate porn, you're not understanding why you went there in the first place, what it did to you, to your mind, to your heart how it manipulated your perception of the world. Mm. And in order to heal that so that you can be a happy, healthy, thriving person, you need to do that deep work, which is stereotypes aren't always great, but sometimes they're stereotypes for a reason. But men typically are less desiring of the process of dealing with emotions. Mm. And you were in Korea, 2015, yeah. When there's like, I think we, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but the men and women were split yeah. after being a month together. We were there together with each other, co-ed, everything for a month in Korea, traveling the country, seeing all these cool things, doing all this cool stuff, learning a bunch of stuff. And then they're like, here, you get guys night and girls night, do whatever you want. The men degenerated. We took our shirts off. We took our socks off and started wrestling and having arm wrestling matches, <laughs> grunting. There was a good chunk of time when we were running around the room, grunting incoherently in caveman talk. Just that's where we were at. That's what we needed. And then the women, we got a report from them. They came downstairs and first of all, they're like, what is that smell? And it was us being men. And we're like, what did you guys do? And the women like across the board sat down and basically cried. Yeah. <laughs> we're emotional for the entire night. And we were like, wow, we didn't even, like, we, we are clearly different creatures, you know? 
So it's not necessarily intuitive for guys, but doesn't mean that we don't need to do this stuff. Yeah, I think for me, the big realization going to this retreat and getting this deep massage, it seems like if you've ever done like consulting or like clean your house, right? If you ever cleaned your house and did a deep clean, minimized it, threw away a bunch of stuff. And if you don't, or if you, if you consult someone, ask them to do it for you and tell you like what you should do, then you usually what happens is you last like a few weeks or a month. And then by the next month, it's back to normal. And the reason that happens is because you never figured out how it became that way in the first place. So when you're saying that, and that, that came to mind, if that analogy is helpful, is like if you're unhealthy, overweight, whatever, if you don't figure out what led you there in the first place, then you're just going to go back to where it was. I really like your metaphor that you touched. I, I mean, they're both great. You're, you're on metaphor fire today. But the one that you glossed over was the cleaning one. And I've noticed this about my wife and about myself and also my best friend years ago. I'm a very good daily cleaner. Like I do the dishes. I maintain the house really well, but I don't do those deep cleanings intuitively. My wife doesn't clean up after herself. So I clean up after herself <laughs> on a daily basis. But when it comes to like a deep clean, she will scrub, like say once a quarter or whatever, she would just clean something until it's so sparkly and beautiful. And we just mm. did that, you know, we just got a car and we just cleaned it like crazy. And she's so good at that. So that's a good metaphor for people's recovery as well. Some people are maybe good at maintaining pretty good healthy habits, whereas other people might be more inclined to the deeper work. But you need to be able to have that versatility of both. You need to maintain a certain regimen of healthy habits. Great. But if you don't do that deep cleaning first, you're just kind of... Uh, keeping a really deeply dirty floor clean, as clean as a dirty floor can be. Cause it's got stains and whatever, like shoe marks and stuff like that. That comes out on the deep cleaning. And so in, in our relationships, it's true, like in marriage, but with ourself as well. Yeah, that's something I realized personally. Like if I could share just personally what I gained from this retreat. I know for our listeners, the retreat sounds so ambiguous, but basically we were at the Wolfenberger house, Uncle David Amitsu's house for five, six days or longer for some. And you can imagine all the kids and how chaotic and fun it is and all the cooking and cleaning and sleeping people. Some, a few people, you know, <laughs> sacrificed and slept outside in tents in the rainy, kind of cold, misty Washington state weather. And to be honest, like leading up to this retreat, I was feeling rather empty, like, and I say that meaning kind of empty in terms of my capacity to love and to accept and to forgive and to just be a decent human being. And I think a result of that feeling is like feeling kind of like hitting a limit in terms of understanding or feeling love in my life and feeling full of love and also feeling kind of a passion and kind of feeling a kind of a synergy with God, especially like I realized like I haven't connected with God on a one on one level in a long time. And when I went to the retreat and saw all these people and kind of interacting with all the families and the dynamics and everyone has different kind of faith based faith systems and belief systems. And I really realized like I have been kind of hiding from essentially God, honestly. And I realized that I was kind of pushing God aside in hopes that I would experience God or I didn't need God because, you know, I'm a parent and I have everything I need. I don't need some entity to make me feel alive and passionate and loving anymore. 
as before, you know, a long time ago, I like relied on God for everything. But then I realized that a lot of the fullness I was feeling in life before was kind of disappearing. And I was relying a lot on, especially my wife, to fill that desire of love in my life, like to, to receive love. You know, we all need and desire love. And I was relying on my wife a lot to do that. And it's just fine. She's a very loving person, but sometimes she's not honestly. And sometimes I'm not. Sometimes she's critical. Sometimes she says things I don't like. And in those times, it's like, where do I go to? How do I de-stress from that and actually be able to love her back and to accept her? So anyway, so that was all going on my mind going to the retreat. And when we got there, I just felt like, like there was a lot of love. Like you could imagine all these people here, you know, the Wolfenburgers, the, all these families, there's so much love and so much God, I realized that this is the feeling of being full. That's what I felt. This is the feeling of feeling full of love. And this is the feeling of experiencing God's love. You know, True Father even stated that the feeling of experiencing God's love is like a feeling of like calmness and a little bit of sleepiness, but you're not really wanting to sleep, but you're feeling like alive, but just relax, kind of like that. And that's how I felt the whole time. And so ever since coming back from there, I've made, kind of been maintaining that feeling. And the question becomes like, how do you keep that feeling alive? How do you connect to that feeling of fullness and the ability to the capacity to love people as opposed to just focusing on me and my couple and my family and my kids? But how do I receive that love and just give it to other people? I think that fullness comes in different forms for different people. To some people, it's God. To some people, it's family. To some people, it's following your passion. To some people, it's exercise, whatever it may be. But I feel like that rhythm or that vibe, that energy and keeping that up is really important. If we're talking about sexual integrity, about recovery, we're talking about living the life to the best potential possible, then that fullness is like, for me, at least that's where I want to be all the time. And that's where I want to gravitate to. And so ever since the retreat, I've been praying and meditating more. Like I don't pray a lot, honestly. I stopped praying into God and like trying to connect with God since when I had kids, actually, which I know is crazy ah. and ironic. And but I kind of just felt like, you know, I'm I'm a parent now. I'll just experience God naturally. God will just come to me. And in some many many ways, it has. God has come to me, and I've experienced God a lot. But it's not like an intentional thing that I try to connect with God every day. So I started doing that, like every morning, just sitting outside and just receiving love and asking God how I can help and just connecting on that level. And it's been. Really Really different because then my source of fullness and love does not come from my wife, although that's not a problem, but she's not like the only source of love in my life or my kids or anything like that, but really from something deeper within myself. So yeah, just wanted to share that. Well, that's really important. I mean, I think we all felt really good after that. I think we were really full spiritually, but especially physically. A lot of food. That's right. <laughs> Anytime you go to the Wolfenberger's house, a lot of food. So practically speaking, because not everybody listening to this podcast is going to be going to our staff retreat, aka nobody, really, probably, maybe, maybe some of you will join the fold and work for high noon. But for the average person, then how could they recreate that experience? What really occurred in that time that provided you with that sense of fullness? How could somebody like a, the average Joe who's going through a recovery program go and do that deep dive? You know, without having to go to a retreat, how can they do that yeah. in their, their daily life? What I observed with a lot of us, it was a lot of just being really, really honest with ourselves, like coming to a conversation and saying like, oh, I know the answer to this. I know what love is. I know what the answer is. And then realizing like, oh, wow, like if I'm really honest with myself, I'm limited in many ways. And just having give and take with people, I think is the key to experiencing that. 
right? It's having give and take on that, whether it's through to your accountability partner or with your group or with someone at high noon, with a parent, with a spouse, like having give and take and just being honest about it and not being defensive. Like there was very little defensiveness at the retreat. That's what we noticed. It's like, if somebody has an issue with you or brings something up that they're feeling incomplete about, then there's not like defensiveness. So like, no, that's not true. It's like, I'm trying to hear you out. Like, is this what you're saying? And then just being honest about that. So deep conversations and open-heartedness so that you can hear constructive criticism or feedback. What else took place? What, what happened for you? What's funny is I wasn't really involved in any of this stuff. Like I didn't have any beef with anybody. Nobody seemed to have any beef with me. So I was more of like a passive observer. I called myself the golf bag, remember? I was just kind of there. If somebody needed something, they needed a snack, I was there or whatever, you know, spiritually. I would just say the odd joke here and there. But if you can imagine, that's an important role too, to have just somebody steady to hear other people to support other people, to listen, to be a good listener, to be an active listener. That's if you are an accountability partner, that's one of the biggest skills or a facilitator, or you are a parent, or you are married, or you want to have friends. To be a good listener is one of the greatest gifts that you can do. And that means really listening to somebody, really, really hearing them out and trying to silence the voice in your head that's coming up with a response and just really like focus on what are they saying and then trying to participate in giving an appropriate response. So if they're looking for feedback, giving them feedback. If they're just looking to be heard, giving them validation, be like, my God, thank you for sharing. I know it's not easy to talk about this stuff, right? You're like the rotor rooter. I had a friend that was a rotor rooter. He brought out the snake. If somebody had a clogged toilet or something, he had this giant snake, kind of like the matrix that would unclog things. So you're kind of like that. You're helping them unclog their heart stuff, their spiritual stuff, when you can just be there and listen. So that's mostly my function was to create a sense of lightness by just joking mm -hmm. around a little bit. But if people needed me to be serious, to be that. Uh, so to be a good object, we have that in the divine principle, but like, I don't think Many people who've read The Divine Principle have practiced being a good object. It's really hard because it means to kind of go to zero, to be kind of like, to be like water and just refract whatever is being put into you and to reflect light. So yeah, but I would say the process from a practical standpoint is like pick up a phone. Call somebody. I know that's so old school to actually use your phone to call somebody. I know you, most people think the phone is for Candy Crush. There are other purposes than Candy Crush for your phone. You can call people and it's highly recommended that you just look at someone. Who do you feel estranged from by? I don't know which word to use it. Like, do you feel like you've just haven't called somebody or do you feel like there's like an existing rift in a relationship? Call that person and be like, hey, I value your friendship or our relationship. Did I do something wrong? Can we talk about it? You know, be open to that. Initiate conversation. And these kind of deep conversations are, you realize they add up. That person said something to you a few months ago, so you haven't talked to them since. That gets stored up in you. Whether you notice it or not, it gets stored up into you. It's a blockage from you being able to experience love. You have a fight with a random stranger and it just kind of leaves you feeling weird. That adds up. It all starts to stockpile little by little. And all that is preventing you from experiencing God. That right. is preventing you from being emotionally available because it's kind of like crust. You're losing the practice of actively loving the people in your life. So mm -hmm. call somebody up. Yeah. I also started challenging people yesterday 
to when you leave your house, have an internal goal for everything you're doing. You want grocery shopping? Go say hi and start a conversation with at least one person, if not every single person you see, especially the cashier. Don't just be like, uh, hi, yeah, can I, uh, paper, please? Uh, no, yeah, no please. eye contact, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be Android version of yourself. Just say something like, what's your favorite food to eat in this giant supermarket? Like, what's the one thing that you love to eat most or something like that? And just prodding them to see if they're alive and like to see if you can engage and it. It opens you up. But all this is just like it adds up to a life of being alive. And death is the accumulation of not doing stuff and slowly falling asleep, slowly going into this modality where you just wish you were somebody else. Yeah, I have this experience about this point with my neighbor. We just moved to a new house here and we went to say hi to a neighbor. They're extremely friendly. And then I got their phone numbers. And then I, <laughs> and then that next day, I like, I was like, oh, they're friendly people. I want to like build a friendly relationship. They have two kids, two small boys. Let's build a friendly relationship. So I texted them and said, hey, you guys want to come, do boys want to come over to play on the trampoline because we have a trampoline. And then they didn't respond. And then I texted again, no response. So basically, I am building a story in my head or having give and take in my own head that's saying that they don't want to get to know us. That's the narrative that's going on in my head. And that narrative is being created based on give and take with myself, not with them. So I think, like you're saying, like calling somebody, having give and take about whatever you're going through in life, whatever you want to create in your life, any issues that you have, you have give and take with somebody about it, that creates something new. That is the divine principle 101. Everything is created on give and take, whether it's a negative thing or a positive thing, a good thing or a bad thing, everything is created. If you want to create something new in your life, if you want to change things up, it has to be based on give and take with someone else. If we're just in our heads all the time thinking, oh, I can beat a porn addiction. I'm not addicted because if I was addicted, then I'm, you know, I'd be able to quit anytime. And just in our head, then we're creating our own narrative that is probably false and probably not even true. Yeah. But as soon as we talk to someone, a therapist, a parent, an accountability partner, a group, anyone at all, Andrew or myself. Then we create a new narrative. We realize, holy crap, like I have not been seeing myself clearly and I can create something new. And it's based on like a give and take that you can actually create something. And if I go to my neighbor and say, hey, I sent you a text. Do I have the right number? You know, yeah. maybe I have the wrong number or something. And you yeah. didn't respond. And they'll say, oh, you know, whatever. I don't know. So I have like this crazy fear, you know, that they like looked me up online and <laughs> saw a bunch of my YouTube videos <laughs> for a high noon or something. And they think I'm so yeah. weird. <laughs> so like, his story the, in my head. It's so funny. Well, the thing about it is like most likely that that's not the case, right? But even if it were, that's the thing is that you are now taking this defensive position and every time you see them, you're coming with that kind of perspective yeah. and you're giving that, you're radiating that defensiveness and they're reacting to that. It's like you're manifesting your thoughts in a negative way in that situation. So yeah, this is true, guys. If you guys are struggling with pornography, with masturbation, this is the same thing as you're, you're telling a story about, I'm a screw up, I have no control over myself. And you're creating this destiny for yourself because you're reiterating this feeling of doubt, lack of self-worth. And the more you say it, you're cementing it. And so you need to change the story that you're telling and how you feel about it. And you'll just experience it in a totally different light. And that's relationships with people, relationship with yourself, relationship. Like Benji was saying with God, it's like you just were out of practice in having a conversation with God. Because that's the other thing. And I don't want to get too into that is as we evolve, our relationships are supposed to evolve, including God. So how we even pray and all that most likely will change over time. And how we connect and communicate with the divine is like it's meant to change just like 
all relationships are meant to grow and shift and they're afraid at times and they're thriving at times. And that's what it's like to be alive. So anyway, guys, the reason we brought this up is because we experience a lot as an organization. And the reason why we do this is because we want to create the opportunity for everybody that we help to benefit from our breakthroughs as an organization. And there is a cascade effect. But you as a listener, as somebody who's working on yourself, please understand that there is a massive need for you to clear out your junk and do a deep cleaning and then do maintenance thereafter. That's Benji's talking about how do we maintain that feeling after we've had it? Well, that's what I'm good at. That's what I was saying, the surface cleaning. I'm really good at surface cleaning. That's just maintaining really healthy habits, right? So both are needed. The deep cleaning and the surface cleaning are both necessary. And we encourage you to have these conversations. Set aside time to have deep conversations because that informs the rest of your days. If you have really rewarding conversations, you feel better during the day, your life gets better. So it's worth the time and the effort, even when they're awkward conversations. It might not go well the first time. It's a practice. You got to keep on trying to have good, healthy conversations. It's sometimes confronting to hear when somebody calls you out for being shady or unreliable or you haven't been full of integrity. Maybe you said you do stuff and you didn't do it, whatever. It's yeah. not nice to hear, but that helps those weird feelings then make way. If you can have the humility just to say, yeah, I screwed up. It allows love to flow again. So we encourage you so much. If you truly want to break free from porn permanently and build a life of sexual integrity, you got to do that deep cleaning. Any last words? Bonjour. Yeah, that was well said. Awesome. Well, Thank you. Maybe we'll have a giveaway, Benji. You're always in charge of the giveaways. We'll have a giveaway for somebody to come to the next retreat and they can experience that too. (laughs) That'd be cool. Anyway, guys, as always, please, we want to hear from you. I'm challenging. If you've listened this far in the podcast, it means you were giving you something that is of value. Please tell us what of our podcast really resonated with you and what really you didn't like at all or what we can do better. We want to hear from you. We need more feedback. In this line of work, feedback is a scarce resource because people are so afraid. So please let us know. We know you're listening. Just let us listen to you. Give us a little something, something. Email us. All of our emails are on the website or find us on social. Just reach out to us. See you later, everybody. We love you to death. Hey, Andrew Love here, and I wanted to plant a seed in your mind before you go. You see, a lot of people, when they start to consume our content, they listen to our podcasts, they watch our videos, they read our blogs, they start to believe in the idea of freedom as a possibility for them and their lives, and it is. You can break free from porn, you can build amazing, eternal relationships, but it requires you to make the jump. It requires you to commit to transformation. And that only happens when you invite other people into your journey. You see, a lot of people think that because I got into porn by myself, I can get out of it by myself. And that's the wrong thinking. It's not about simply removing a negative force from your life. It's about creating fulfillment and connection and intimacy with other people. So we really recommend, first and foremost, that you build a team of accountability partners, facilitators, group members, and we can do that. We have all that waiting for you, but you need to first reach out to us. If you already have people in your life that you think can help you, we have online courses that will teach you both how to create a dynamic that works. 
in terms of accountability. But if you don't have an accountability partner, we already have volunteers who are waiting for somebody to help. We have groups that are waiting for somebody like you. But your role and your job is to merely reach out to us and we can work together with you to create a powerhouse team so that you can build the life of your dreams. We look forward to hearing from you.